This is a 980 CKNW podcast. 6.45 on a Sunday morning. That means it's time to check in with Rick Forchuk. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. And just one big film opening in theaters this weekend. It is a big film. So let me ask you this. Are you a Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World fan? Have you been? I have not been, but I've seen, I think I've seen most of the other ones. I did like them. Yeah, well, sequels often tend to lose their steam and their effect as time passes, Jill. And every shred of story and credibility gets wrung out of them like a chamois through a car wash ringer. But definitely not the case here. I found this iteration of the franchise perhaps the best of the lot, although it's still difficult to top the first one, which offered the most believable dinosaurs ever put on film to that point. Fallen Kingdom has few flaws and a lot of substance. Instead of just trading on what's come before and reorganizing those plots, it strikes out in a new direction. Now, if you recall, after the previous movie, the dinosaurs had escaped the theme park on Isla Nublar and took over the tropical island, said to be 200 miles off the coast of Costa Rica. Now, there they were left with an environment that, uh, while all the humans departed, uh, they were just able to take over. But something new has now come about. The island has developed an active volcano that threatens to blow up and destroy everything there. Every palm frond, every brontosaurus, every T-Rex, and every raptor. So there's an ethical debate as to whether or not it is the role of government to step in and save these creatures from becoming extinct again. Remember, they were genetically engineered in Jurassic Park, the original, 1993, when DNA was extracted from a specimen preserved in amber. And now, with the proliferation of dinos, they are once again endangered. Of course, there are always diabolical villains waiting to capitalize on the opportunity to make money. And they see saving the Saurians and training and engineering them for everything from warfare to farm labor would be an amazing way to make a lot of cash. They recruit Claire Deering, that's Bryce Dallas Howard's character, who in the first movie was a key person in the theme park as communications officer. And they leave it to her to bring on board Owen Grady, that's Chris Pratt, the dinosaur whisperer from the previous film. They need her to get inside the park and help with the logistics, and they need him because of his rapport with the raptors. Claire and Owen think this is a humanitarian mission to save as many species as possible, and they find out too late that they are simply being used. Now, there are scenes reminiscent of King Kong, where the huge creatures are bound and caged and prepared for shipment to the mainland, where they're to be auctioned off to the highest bidders. A couple of interesting and very subtle subplots are at work here, too, and we get character development, particularly from Howard and Pratt's roles, that we just didn't see in the previous film. In good order, most everybody gets what he or she deserves as the beasts run amok, and the ending, Jill, which I certainly won't spoil here, leaves us wanting to know what comes next. Now, it's not a cliffhanger, uh, but it lends itself to a natural progression that offers major possibilities for sequels that have mind-boggling potential. Jeff Goldblum reprises his role from the previous Jurassic movies, although it amounts to a little more than a cameo. I thought it was a good film. It had great action and a great payoff. The rating 14A, and as I said, Jill, I think I enjoyed this um, more than all of them, except perhaps for the first. <laughs> I, re- I saw um, Bryce Dallas Howard interviewed about this, and she said because of her age and her remembering the first one, that's why it was so important to them to stay true to the films and to make sure, like you said, the sequels can lose their steam to make sure it didn't do that. Yeah, and it really didn't. They did a great job with uh, keeping our interest and uh, not having us sit back and say, well, here we go again. 
Uh, we did go again. We got everything that we wanted. And uh, special effects, of course, uh, goes without saying. They're phenomenal here. Steven Spielberg does a great job. The casting was just fine. And, uh, you know, there are some of those things where as soon as you see a particular guy, an actor you've seen as the villain many, many times in many movies, as soon as he shows up, you know, well, we can't trust that guy. And, of course, we can't. But that's all part of the fun, Joe. <laughs> exactly. All right. That is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. We'll head on over now. What's happening on Netflix? I've got a couple to tell you about Netflix. Uh, Nostalgia. This one's from 2018. It's brand new. A big cast shows up for this movie that debuted at the Palm Springs Film Festival back in January, but hasn't had theatrical distribution since that time. The story is a series of excerpts of the lives of people who have suffered significant loss, and it looks at how they search for comfort, for understanding, and for closure. John Hamm, Ellen Burstein, Bruce Dern, Catherine Keener, and Amber Tamblin are the principal players here and have large supporting cast that helps them work through love, loss, and abandonment. Uh, it's a 14A rating. It's about a two-and-a-half, maybe three hanky tearjerker. It's called Nostalgia. It is very interesting, Jill. Not for everybody, but it's an interesting film on Netflix. All right. Uh, they've also got, uh, I didn't realize this had been made into a film. I've read the book Brain on Fire. It's uh, fascinating, but it's also terrifying. Yes, it's both of those things. Brain on Fire. It was made into a movie and released in 2016, but it's another festival film with very little theatrical distribution, and it debuts on Netflix this week. Now, it's based on the memoir, the book that you read by Susanna Cahillan, called Brain on Fire, My Month of Madness, and it tells the true story of her descent into something akin to madness. Chloe Grace Moretz plays Susanna, a young woman who writes for the New York Post and who begins to experience strange things, such as seeing people in the office who are not really there and feeling that these phantoms are talking about her. She quickly descends into full-blown psychosis, ending in a major seizure. An MRI and numerous tests find nothing wrong, but her life continues to spiral out of control, and her parents and boyfriend are sure that she needs to be committed to a mental institution. But Susanna's situation is not mental. It is physical, but nobody seems to be able to get to the bottom of what's happening. It also stars Vancouver's Carrie Ann Moss from The Matrix. The rating is 14A, Brain on Fire. Pretty good movie, Joe. Yeah, interesting one. And not to not to give it away either, but if uh, th- this book, and I'm sure the movie will do this as well, if you ever wanted a reminder to keep asking questions, this one will give it to you. Yeah, and the movie certainly does that. You're absolutely right. Uh, what's happening on Crave? Uh, Crave's got Life Sentence. This is an interesting one, too. It's a TV series that began earlier this year on the CW Network. It's available for binge-watching this week. It's the story of Stella, played by Lucy Hale, a young woman who gets a terminal cancer diagnosis and decides to make the best of the time she has left by living a life of wild abandon. And then, oops, the diagnosis is reversed. And now, with no illness, she has to work her way through all the choices she made when she was walking on the wild side. Now, the TV series was canceled earlier this month, so one season is all we get. Still a pretty interesting premise, Jill. That's Life Sentence on Crave TV. All right, and we're heading, it is officially summertime now, which generally means a slowdown in television. Anything happening over there? Yeah, you're right about that. A big slowdown in television, especially as we approach the long weekends for both of our countries, the U.S. and Canada. Uh, 2018 in Despire Awards are on tonight. Uh, in March, this awards ceremony and show that honors achievement in a variety of fields by Indigenous people had its 25th anniversary on stage in Winnipeg. And tonight we get to see that entire production hosted by Daryl Dennis and Kyle Nobes, both Indigenous actors that you may recognize, and featuring everything from fiddle music to a super group, a rock group. Uh, that's on CBC Television tonight, Joe.
All right, a little bit of something for everyone. You betcha. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.